Welcome to Mental Reality. I'm Dr. Beach. Have you ever worried about your socks matching? Whether or not you hear voices? For most, the answer is, of course. Technically speaking, this can be labeled as being delusional and paranoid about a hallucination. In reality, color as we see it is not a real part of the outside world. Instead, color is our brain converting the wavelengths of light that objects reflect and absorb. People who are colorblind are simply experiencing different hallucinations. And some cultures, such as the Himba tribe, are known to altogether not see the color blue. As for matching your socks, the fact that most readers go out of their way to change their behavior around the hallucination can be called delusional and also paranoid since most people's socks will never be seen under their pants. This is an excerpt from a new book being launched this September 2020 entitled Life with Voices, A Guide for Harmony, written by my guest, Dimitri. Thank you so much, Dimitri, for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Craig. And we're going to cover hearing voices in two parts. Part one, we're going to talk about hearing voices, the experience, and that will be followed by part two, hearing voices, helpful strategies. So, Dimitri, why don't you start by telling me a little bit about your background? Of course. So I've been hearing voices for a little over 10 years now. Uh, in addition to my own lived experience, I facilitate groups for others who hear voices. I'm involved on the boards of several nonprofits, uh, Hearing Voices Network USA, Hearing Voices Network New York City, ISPS US, um, and New York City Peer Workforce Coalition. And through the experience, I've, I've really learned that voices are very, very different than what's shown in the media and what most people in society imagine when they think about hearing voices. I mean, that's something I'd really like to talk about. So first of all, I want to thank you for your wonderful advocacy work. And you mentioned hearing voices for the past 10 years. Would you be able to paint a picture of what it was like the first time you heard voices? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. So um, I remember hearing voices being similar to uh, seeing new colors or, or getting an extra stimulus. You know, we were raised our whole life to trust our senses whatever senses we have available to us. And all of a sudden getting the stimulus that everyone tells you not to trust is, is fairly scary. But at the same time, you're a bit torn, or I was a bit torn. Um, on the one hand, society told me that there was something wrong with me, that I was hallucinating. Uh, on the other hand, I was genuinely experiencing uh, the stimulus of voices. Um, I remember kind of entering this, this puzzle mode where I was trying to figure out what is this that's going on? Uh, just to give you an example, I was thinking, well, everyone who experiences it, tens of millions of people, say that it feels real. And everyone that's telling us that it's a hallucination has never been through it. So, you know, that made me want to explore it more. On the other hand, uh, the voices kept the same character and the same storylines wherever I was in, in terms of physical location. So that suggested it wasn't telepathy or, or kind of any model except for medical. Um, so in the beginning, it was a lot of kind of this this exploration and this puzzle solving, trying to figure out what this new stimulus was. I mean, I think you're exactly right. You mentioned there are a lot of misconceptions. You know, what's your experience of the main myths and biases people have about hearing voices? Yeah, so for the first part, um, most people who hear voices are able to, to live, to, to live lifestyles of their choice. Um, the way that it's shown in, in the media as this kind of crushing disease or, or, you know, an end to life is just not accurate. Um, 
between five to 13% of adults will hear voices in their lifetime. And only a third of our community um, historically needs that kind of assistance or, or goes through crisis uh, fairly often. Right. And yet, um, yet a focus for a lot of people is that the goal should be to get rid of the voices, right? Rather than to learn to deal with them or embrace them. Well, that's, that's a really great point. I think that for a lot of people who hear voices, a lot of them do want to get rid of the voices. And a lot of us don't. Um, you know, some people genuinely find value in their experiences with voices, their guides, their friends, uh, they're inspirational. Um, but I think the biggest myth is the idea that everyone who tries to get rid of voices can or will, that, that as long as we sort of follow the medical model, that it will lead us to a place where we're rid of our voices. And, and that's just not true. Right. And that that's a realistic expectation when, you know, we know very well that it's often not possible to get rid of all voices or all, you know, all symptoms of psychosis in general. Yeah, it's, it's very different for each person. And um, honestly, I, I have respect for, for people in the medical profession, uh, you're, you yourself are a doctor. But I think that when it comes to hearing voices, it's, it's almost like we're in a different century of care where we're essentially saying, this group of people sort of reminds me of each other. And let's try a variety of different medicines and see if something works. Right. Um, it's not kind of that same uh, layout plan and, and treatment plan that people have with depression or, or that kind of deep understanding that surgeons or, or other doctors have about something going on in the body. It's, it's a very black box phenomena and, and society is just not at the point of understanding it one way or the other. Right. And, and we often don't talk about the positive content, you know, in voices or the benefit that voices can bring someone. You know, people tend to be more focused on the, on the negative. Yeah, it's, um, well, it's especially a Western phenomenon. So uh, there's a lot of research, uh, Stanford, Stanford professor Tanya Lerman, others have found that in other cultures, voices tend to be more positive. They tend to be more inspirational, uh, provide wisdom. Uh, in some cultures, if somebody hears voices, it's considered a blessing. And they would be surprised if you asked them if they wanted to get rid of it. But, but yeah, in the West especially, there's kind of this feeling that voices are always negative and, and that's kind of the universal truth. Right. And one of the reasons people are focused on getting rid of voices is because we often hear about people having voices that are causing them negative emotions like anxiety, fear, or sadness. Or uh, people equate people hearing voices or having symptoms of psychosis, you know, wrongly with potentially being dangerous. Absolutely. Um, I think that. There, there's one study by uh, Dr. Al Powers out in Yale. Um, he, was, he was one of the principal investigators. And he looked at clairaudience among psychics, which in, in terms of the actual experience is fairly similar to hearing voices. Um, but for people who are in the psychic community, when they start hearing voices, there's this framework of how to incorporate it and how to live life without fearing it. And many of them have positive voice experiences never need true medical care or, or otherwise assistance, and, and they just live. Um, so, so it is very much this kind of fear that those who know only the medical model have that drives them to desperately want to get rid of voices, in addition to, to negative experiences where that's the truth as well. You know, one of the reasons I was so excited to, to do this podcast is so often people will equate having a mental illness and in particular symptoms of psychosis as potentially putting other people at risk and especially of 
of violence. And yet we know from studies that only about 3% of all violence in society has anything to do with mental illness, which means 97%, of course, doesn't. And yet that's not the portrayal that you oftentimes get in the media, where you'll see a lot of sensationalized depictions of you know, rare cases where someone has mental illness and commits a violent act. Absolutely. I mean, I think it, it's not just the news. It's also movies. You know, you have um, Joker was was a big hit recently. Uh, it, it's an easy target. You know, whenever you want to show somebody as unstable, have them hear voices. And kind of that pattern over and over and over creates this this perception. Um, if I if I dare even say this delusion about the voice here in community, which is simply not fact. It's not true. Right. And that's, you know, talking about, you know, stigma busting, which is, you know, I think something we both are interested in doing. That's somewhere we still have a long ways to go. Absolutely. Absolutely. What's been your experience of the greatest challenge of hearing voices? The greatest challenge. Yeah. So I don't know if you personally are on social media, but, you know, imagine scrolling through your Facebook feed or, or scrolling on Twitter and Instagram and uh, your brain kind of knows your post, that's your stream of consciousness. And then all of a sudden there's these posts just kind of thrown in the middle in bright colors, um, all caps, and actually talking about you and to you. Um, so it's, it's kind of the attention factor of, of being able to engage fully with the people around you, to maintain the highest quality of work, and, and to kind of just be in charge of your own stream of consciousness. It can be very distracting when there's these foreign posts thrown in the middle. Right. And that's one of the things when, you know, you work with people who are hearing voices, some of the techniques and which I know we're going to talk about in the next segment are around kind of helping to distract people or helping people to be able to maintain their focus or be mindful in the moment, even, even when they're hearing voices. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I have specific techniques for that. Not everything that I propose has yet to be validated, um, though I've seen it work with, with my communities. But yeah, that's, that's kind of something I would love to dive in deeper in the next section. Great. So, Dimitri, before we get into some of the helpful strategies for hearing voices, why don't we first cover the different categories of voices? Sure. So, in terms of the, the different frameworks, if I'm understanding you correctly, you know, in the West, most people believe in the medical model, which is that voices come from inside the subconscious mind. Uh, the most common other frameworks are telepathy model, which is that we're picking up conscious or subconscious thoughts of others. Spiritual is that people are talking to deities or religious beings. Uh, something called the ancestor model, which is that we're talking to the deceased. Often you'll hear about technology, you know, that there's radio waves or, or satellites, something like that. And, uh, you know, alien model, conspiracy model. It, it kind of goes on and on with, with different ways of interpreting the voices. Before we move on from the question, though, I want to say that there's some people that do uh, pretty unique and cool things with the model of how they interpret voices. For, for example, some people will actually create um, voice personalities deliberately. They'll kind of fill in a character and they'll even let the character kind of rotate in and guide them in specific situations. Um, right. so, so people have very different ways of interpreting their voices and very different ways of, of navigating the experience, all with different amounts of success in terms of quality of life. That's really important because we talk about the medical model a lot, but it's important to know there are many different models. And really what your theoretical orientation is, is really going to inform you know, how you view voices and what you're going to do about it. 
Absolutely. And, you know, the, the kind of school of thought that I belong to, which um, Dr. Marius Rome and, and, and others in the community have also uh, voiced support for, is that the framework for how you interpret voices is so, so much less important than being empowered over your voices, being the center of your ecosystem and kind of being able to set rules and, and be the, the leader of the experience. Um, whether it's spiritual, medical, or telepathy, um, different frameworks have advantages and disadvantages, but that key thing uh, of being the leader of your own experience, that's what determines quality of life. Uh, so Dimitri, in your book, you talk about hostile voices, because that can be one of the really concerning types of voices that people can hear. You know, what are the motivations for hostile voices? Yeah, absolutely. So over time, I found that in my experience and, and in those members of the community who I talk with, um, voices are motivated like people are by perspectives, uh, emotions, agendas, kind of their, their cost-benefit analysis for, for why they should do things, um, and their opportunities. Um, in terms of hostile voices specifically, I'll say that uh, kind of the, the easiest to, to navigate hostile voice is often motivated by its own anger or pain. So it's kind of this emotional motivation. And really finding peace with this voice uh, can create internal harmony and, and even an ally. Um, some voices you know, are motivated just for the sake of harassing you or, or trying to steal your information. Um, and, and in those cases, kind of influencing their cost benefit or, or kind of having other voice allies to defend you is a good strategy. Um, I'd say the most dangerous hostile voices that I've come across um, are those that come from a perspective of cost benefit and an agenda, right? Where they want to change your voice ecosystem into something. They want to uh, create a reality for you and they attack you deliberately as a way of getting to their own goal. Um, especially when these voices recruit other voices to attack you. If you have multiple voices, they can be very dangerous. And, and but still, you know, understanding why they're attacking, what their goals are, and, and really changing their cost benefit or, or finding harmony between their goals and your own is a good path for peace. Um, just to kind of round off the question, the two remaining categories, um, probably the most dangerous one is some hostile voices just want power. They're trying to take over your ecosystem and there's no agenda past that. Um, for those, you really need more advanced uh, defense techniques. Um, and some voices actually don't even acknowledge that they're attacking you. They believe that you're in their storyline, that you're inside their head or inside their uh, big adventure. And they, they won't even acknowledge the fact that they're attacking you as a human being. So those are the main categories. Right. So you can see kind of how complex it can get in the multiple motivations. I mean, I like you mentioned the term coming to you know, harmony with your voices. So rather than getting rid of them, becoming friends with them, or, you know, your book is entitled Life with Voices, A Guide for Harmony, um, which, you know, I think is a really important point that we're going to, you know, also cover when we talk about some of the interventions to kind of how you can actually practically go um, about doing that. So sometimes the, you know, content of the voices can conjure up feelings in people of anxiety or fear or sadness that can be really distressing to people. And I know sometimes, you know, people won't always have insight into the fact that their experience of, you know, hearing voices isn't actually placing them at real physical risk. You know, for example, they may firmly believe that someone is, 
you know, controlling them or out to get them or means them harm. Or they may, you know, retaliate out of fear that otherwise they're going to be injured. Or they may misattribute things. So those are some of the things that can, you know, place a person at risk of, you know, harm to themselves or harm to others. Oh, absolutely. So if there's kind of a way to talk about uh, the ways that voices can, can cause damage to your life, uh, one is attention, as we said earlier, but another one is definitely happiness if they're outright mean or insulting or, or just kind of influence your mood in that way. Um, and then there's also perceived abilities where if a voice threatens you or your loved ones, even if you don't fully believe it, it's kind of a very unpleasant at best feeling um, that, that your loved ones may be in danger. Um, so even if you kind of say, okay, this is 98% chance not true, you know, that 2% chance that everyone you love is in trouble is, is a really powerful and, and kind of hurtful place to be. Um, I think eventually voice hearers will test the power of their voices and realize that it's, it's bluffs. Um, but, but definitely knowing how to test their claims, knowing how to defend both against their attacks on your happiness, on your attention, and uh, when they use perceived abilities, knowing defense styles and strategies, is is a key part of having a happy life with voices. Right. So, I mean, I want to thank you so much, Dimitri, because this is a topic that very few people know much about. And like you said, I mean, I was really hoping here that we'd talk about what the experience of hearing voices can be like. And of course, that depends on the person and really start to dispel some of those myths that are so pervasive and, you know, really uh, further stigmatize people who are hearing voices or people who are are you having mental health conditions? And really that awareness is, is part of how we're going to go about reducing stigma. And then really need to think about the theoretical framework that people are coming from to really inform what we're going to do about it. So I want to thank you so much for this. And I look forward to part two on talking about hearing voices and some of the helpful strategies. I'm Dr. Beach, and this is Mental Reality. Mm-hmm.